This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza taking one more lap around the Big 12 here. Wrapping things up, believe it or not, with the team that I am always a fan of and my apologies to our guest and his fans, the team I'm always wrong about. It is the TCU Horned Frogs. We welcome in Jeremy Clark, the publisher of Horned Frog Blitz. It's a running joke here, Jeremy, that every season I, I have something up my sleeve about TCU. It's a team I always really like, and then they don't have a great season. Or it's a team I'm like, nah, and then all of a sudden they win 12 games. Um, the good news is, I'm like right in the middle of this year. I don't know what to expect. So that could be good. could be bad. Not <laughs> up to me, fortunately. My playing days are long since over. But that's why we have you here. A lot has changed, but there is some continuity as well because it's not like it's a completely foreign regime that's taken over there. But it, it just does seem strange to see the purple without Gary Patterson there, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, for a guy that's been around the program as long as I have, I'm going into year 17 here, and it, it is different. I mean, I don't think anyone, if you would ask TCU fans or even people inside the program, if this would uh, ever be like this, you're, you're talking about a, a, a legacy coach, a guy that put TCU on the map, a guy that really, when all things considered, that's the reason TCU's in the Big 12, because of the, the success that Gary Patterson had. And uh, it, it is a little bit different. Um, so far, it's, it's, it's been kind of smooth. I think there's a lot of things that, Sonny Docks and his guys recognize that maybe Gary wasn't doing before as far as media access and fan access. And so they're getting uh, more of those channels involved. And, and right now, everything's been really, really great. I mean, especially the media access. But in the end, and I've had this conversation with Sonny a couple of times, it's, it's all about wins and losses. And can you put everything that you're doing right right now and, and put it into the season and, and get this thing turned around? Because I don't think TCU fans would have ever expected this kind of four-year lull that they're experiencing right now. They're ready for things to change. I was always like amazed by how elastic Patterson was. He'd have a down year and he'd win 10. He'd have a down year and he'd win 12. And all of a sudden that it didn't bounce back quite as often or as easily as he used to. And, and here we are now. He's on the Texas staff and uh, a new direction at TCU. So before we even get started, though, with the new regime, let's go to the end. First season for Dykes. Um, you can fill in a lot of the blanks here as to what he's done and how he's gotten toward the finish line eventually this season. But once the Horned Frogs do arrive there, Jeremy, how do you think this looks? Uh, how do you think the transition goes? How do you think their final record um, vindicates or, or questions this initial season? Well, I think the transition is going to be better than some people expected. I was kind of surprised by the the preseason media uh, Big 12 vote with them being number seven. And that just that just goes back to the, the past four years, really, and, and how they really haven't played up to expectations. But I've kind of got this team pegged around uh, a floor of six and six and a ceiling of eight and four. I think that record would really – I mean, it, every fan wants to win every game. They want their program to win every single game. But I think even with TCU fans, just to see them 
kind of crawl out of the, the cellar a little bit in the Big 12 and just get back to 500 or even win seven, eight games, I think they would call that a successful season. If you look at TCU's roster, they've got a lot of production coming back. I think you look at different outlets, they've got the second most production coming back for a team in the Big 12 and only ranking behind Kansas. Now, some people would say, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I think with TCU, it's a good thing. You've got a lot of offensive weapons coming back. You've got a lot of good defensive players coming back. Uh, they they kind of excelled a little bit up front on the offensive line during spring. And it seemed like everyone was transitioning pretty well with learning a, a completely new offensive scheme. You're, you're going to a 3-3-5 on defense under Joe Gillespie, who was really successful at Tulsa. The, the main thing to me, Mike, was just how the players seemed to be buying in. And not only with just learning a new scheme completely, but you're talking about guys that are just learning how to train different, learning how to eat different. Uh, nutrition's a really important thing for them now under Coach Cause. But it's it's amazing just to see in the short amount of time the way players talk about it. Even when ex-players come around and watch practices, they kind of make some comments about some things that are just completely different. And I always tell people, if a team seems to be having fun, they're learning better, and sometimes that transitions to wins and losses, and it and it, and it makes those uh, the wins in the W column go up a little bit. But with the way the schedule sets up for them this year, if you look at their home schedule, they've got Oklahoma at home. They've got Oklahoma State at home. They've got Iowa State at home. They've got Kansas State at home. So really the toughest games for them on the road is West Virginia and going up or going down to Austin to Texas and playing Texas, but they really haven't, haven't ever really had a problem winning in Austin, but Morgantown's a different story. As we all know, they've kind of struggled a little bit of Morgantown, but that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough test for them. But I think the schedule sets up really, really nice for them, especially at home this year. Uh, just one on the schedule, if you don't mind the road trip to Colorado, I'm, I'm jealous. That's a great one, but not much of a road trip, but what's um what's game three going to be like when you go to, when you guys go to SMU and have to cover a, a pretty peculiar homecoming. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a, a game that a lot of fans are excited to see. Obviously for SMU, you're, you're facing your old coach and then you're facing a coach that many SMU fans were stating that Sonny Docks was telling SMU he wasn't going anywhere. And then the next thing you know, he's going to the crosstown rival. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on that game. I think obviously uh, the new staff at TCU know that the great thing about them is they know a lot of those SMU, SMU players. They know their strengths they know their weaknesses and so I think they're going to have a chance to attack them in that way but it's going to be a fun game I think uh it's it's going to be a lot different than what we've seen in years past because like I said with the the strength and conditioning I think that's a that's a person that really doesn't get talked a lot about um throughout media but Kaz Kazadi man he is you talk to anyone inside the program whether it's a part of the staff or just athletic in general or players, they all just rave about the transformation that he has allowed the players to take um, ever since, ever since they brought him on um, after, after uh, November, after the end of the season. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's guys that are walking around that have gained 15 to 20 pounds of muscle within the last six, seven months. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, the physicality is going to be different for TCU this year, but that that SMU game, I, I promise you, it's going to be an interesting one. SMU's not they're they're not going to lay down. They've they've won the last two games, and really, the scores really weren't indicative indicative of 
how just bad SMU d- defeated TCU. I mean, it was just a game where TCU never really had a chance to win the last two years. So I think TCU's wanting to change those fortunes and and kind of show show the crosstown rival that they're going to be back and they're going to be there to stay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Kaz Kazadi was the the sliced bread at Baylor when Baylor was humming a couple of years back, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and really, he just doesn't get – he's not a real big me guy. He's not going to go out there and promote himself. And really, when we go to off-season workouts, he's not he, – he really is not interested in talking to the media. He just wants to put all his focus into getting those players better, whether it's getting them more flexible, getting them more mental stability, uh, getting them – added weight and just eating right and just making sure that they're doing all the things that they're supposed to do. And I, I'm just telling you, it's, it, it's from, from staff to players, even to, even to recruits when those guys go in on visits, they are just always really impressed with cause and, and just really listen to what he says. And just by me going up there and just seeing the transformation of the players, I could tell you he's doing a phenomenal job and it's, it's going to be fun to see a, a TCU team, Use that use that improvement that they've had this offseason and, and try to start muscling some opponents around. I might have spoken too much, asked too many questions, stolen your thunder here. If I do, I apologize, Jeremy. But let me ask you, um, I think a lot of people who would follow TCU would be wise to go to your site and, and see what you think because that's what you know and have gathered from the beat. So everybody knows the major headlines there, and we talked about a couple of them, most notably the coaching change. But there's a whole lot going on that maybe people don't know. And if – if you're a casual fan, if you're a West Virginia fan, just trying to get to know TCU, there's going to be some things beneath the surface. You got to crack that layer and get inside. What is an off the radar story, angle, player, side of the ball? I don't know. Something about this team that you have your eye on now because you got a feeling it's going to be significant, whether good or bad during the season. Well, I'll just go back to what I was saying earlier about the Bears are just, they just seem to be enjoying the change. And whether that's, with a, a new philosophy change on offense or defense or head coach, it just sometimes just just a change is a breath of fresh air. And and I will tell you this, just the way Sonny has engaged the the media and fans, there's there's a lot more excitement heading into this year. And the players have bought in, and I and I'll use an example of this, and this is gonna shock a lot of people. In this day and age of the transfer portal, at the end of spring spring camp, it's like a floodgate opening. And we we all see it from a media perspective where players enter the portal on a daily basis. At TCU, they had they had a few players enter the portal before spring camp started. At the conclusion of spring camp, they had one player, one player that went through spring ball enter the portal. And I think that was more mm-hmm. of them kind of trying to tell him, hey, you're going to be fourth or fifth string at your position it might be best for you to move on if you, if you want to get more playing time. And so that to me tells me those players are, are really buying in and listening to what, to what they're saying. The, the things that we saw as a media that just completely changed were players that might have been down on the depth chart, maybe third or fourth string under the, the pre- previous regime, are now guys that were making plays all, all through spring. I mean, the starting nose tackle, Sony Missy, he was third or fourth nose tackle under Gary Patterson. He was the starting nose tackle at the end of spring camp. Joe Gillespie loves the guy. Marcel Brooks, a five-star that everyone has been waiting to see what he's going to do ever since he transferred from LSU. This was a kid that played as a true freshman 
LSU's uh, program during the national championship run. And the last two years, he's just kind of been, they, it's kind of like Bigfoot. We don't know if he exists or not. And he just made play after play in spring ball. And he was a guy that Sonny Dykes and Joe Gillespie just raved about. And that's some of the, that's some of the things that you get when you have a new uh, coaching staff that comes in and they, they identify the, the players' weaknesses and strengths. And I think, when they just get an opportunity, those players seem to excel. And, and those two players I just mentioned, those are only the, the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of players that are like that that I feel are going to be um, more contributing factors this year that really weren't the last three or four years at TCU. And I think that's something that every fan base should pay attention to with TCU this year. There's going to be a few names that really weren't big names the last couple of years that people are going to be talking about this year. A great transition here because for a while, recruiting was not the problem for TCU. The quarterback play wasn't great, but they were getting guys. Defense, obviously, talent, skill position on offense always had a productivity potential being realized, eh, not always there. I think they had a great boost from some of the Boykin years and also the transition of the Big 12. And then their success. And then it kind of plateaued a little bit. Um, I was going to ask you a little bit about Dykes and how he keeps us going or gets us going again, but maybe just more broadly. The, the Big 12 itself is in such flux right now. And West Virginia, like TCU, I think to some extent is still trying to get its footing. And it's just changing so much now with the two big brands leaving. You figure that's better for everybody, but also a team that's trying to find its footing. But you're also bringing in a team from Texas that's up and coming. That may be a threat. I'm using air quotes here in my office, but like a threat to what TCU is trying to do. I think Cincinnati is maybe a similar, again, threat to West Virginia. Um and it's not two steps forward, three steps back, or one step forward, two steps back, but it just seems like progress is hard for different reasons here. What do you think the future is of TCU in this conference, and does the change make things easier, or does it not really do anything? It's still going to be a process to get where they want to go. I'm afraid to answer because we could be talking about new teams by the end of tomorrow. You know, a good point. A good point. <laughs> no, but I but I think and we've talked to Sonny several times, and he's gone on record with this and. And just TCU in general, I think when we all heard the news of Texas and Oklahoma leaving, there was a lot of coaches just quietly and some of them vocally that were talking about TCU and just where it's at in the DFW Metroplex. You've got a, a big time recruiting hotbed right in your backyard. You've got a great location. You've got a university that really, really backs their program. They've poured a ton of money into their facilities and they're going to continue to do that. The, the thing that I've talked with with several coaches about, and, even, and, and as I mentioned, Sonny Dykes even went on record in this, they feel like TCU can be on top of the Big 12 mountain. That's that's how good they feel about this. And that's that's one of the primary reasons why Sonny Dykes took the job. Even when he was at SMU, he always felt that TCU was one of the top jobs in college football for the, for the reasons that I gave you already. But I feel the direction that, that they're leading right now I really feel with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, and even with the new additions of Cincinnati, they used to play Cincinnati in Conference USA. They've they've played Houston before. They've played uh, UCF, and they've they've played these programs. So there's a little bit of familiar, familiarity with those guys. But I, I feel really with the way Sonny Docks and his staff attacks the transfer portal, there's always going to be pretty legitimate and good college players that are going to want to transfer to TCU. They have. I believe the number 13 transfer class right now, uh, they, they did a really good job of getting those players back to TCU. Uh, they've, they've done a good job recruiting. I believe the, the class is just fluctuating so much right now for 2023 with everyone getting commitments. But I think 
they're in the they're in the top 30 range right now. I still feel like they can uh, potentially finish in the top 20. So you're going to continue to get uh, good transfers. You're going to continue to get pretty decent recruiting classes. They've done a great job of really no offense to Gary Patterson, but he always talked about building the fence around DFW and keeping those guys at home, but it was really never successful. And I think in the short amount of time, Sonny Dykes and his staff has done a, a pretty, pretty good job of keeping the local talent home. I think out of their 15 commitments, eight of them are from DFW area. So that's a pretty impressive number, but if they continue to keep recruiting the way they are, that, like I said, the university is going to back the program, great location. I really feel that TCU could be, Every year, like Oklahoma is, a, a, a really a, a Big 12 contender every year and at worst maybe finish in the top three or four when they have those down years. But I think that I really feel confident about saying that because I just see there's so much potential with where TC's program's going under Dykes. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I noticed the 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 concentration of the commitments from the DFW area, and it does seem like that he's plugged into that mentality. So that that can't hurt. That's a great backyard to play in there. So good, and that will maybe in the future fill this question, which is about talent on the roster. You rattled off a couple names now. You did a good job. You didn't you didn't give me all the names here, so you can answer this question without having to repeat yourself. It's a uh, very wise of you. But Jeremy, um, who are some of the star players we look at here? Offense, defense, that. Um, that do fulfill what he wants to do on offense and what this new defense is going to look like? Well, I really think with the the change of offense, the, the happiest guys around campus were the receivers because the receiver number is going to go up. And I, I bet you'd be hard-pressed to find a, an argument with the name I'm going to drop now, Quentin Johnston. I truly feel – I know there's been a lot of talk with Xavier Worthy down at Texas being the best receiver in the Big 12, but I honestly feel that Quentin Johnston – is the best receiver in the Big 12. And I think this new offense is really going to help him uh, it, it just show how talented he is. He's going to be able to go out there, probably get about 10 to 15 targets a game. He's playing X position. If you go back and look at Sonny Dyke's offense, that X receiver position is their playmaker. That's the guy they they want to get the ball into their hands um, the most often. And Quentin's a 6'3", 6'4", as I mentioned earlier, causes game to help these guys gain a lot of weight. And Quentin's gone from 201 to 215. He's still got a 38, 39 inch vertical. He's one of the faster players on TCU's roster. So he's a player that I really feel is going to shine in this offense. And each week we're going to see Quentin Johnston having six, seven catches, 100 plus yards. If you go back and watch that Oklahoma game from last year, that really, really showed off his potential. Now, not only his ability to get behind the defense, but just to go up and get the ball with his leaping ability and his physicality. 
that's the guy that they're going to try to get the ball in his hands. And they re- they return a lot of receiving weapons. Tay Barber seems like he's been there for seven years. Darius Davis, he's a, a another great receiver that's had his moments as a slot receiver and and really really good in the return game. And and one name I'll mention, and I and I took I took some flack for for mentioning this guy early in spring camp, but I was watching the first one or two practices, and I thought this kid keeps getting open. He's catching everything and he's going to be a weapon. And, but the problem is he's not very big. He's a five, eight, 180 pound kid. And his name is Gunnar Henderson. But remember that name, Gunnar Henderson, because by the end of the first week of practice, he was a, he was a former walk on and TCU was giving him a full scholarship. That's how talented he is. And it wasn't one of these, Hey, let's, let's make Gunnar feel good and offer him a scholarship. Those coaches love him. You talk to Sonny Dykes, you talk to Garrett Riley, you talk to Doug Meacham, they will all tell you Gunnar Henderson is going to make some plays. He's he's going to be a guy that we're going to throw the ball to. And, and just to kind of prove that prove that notion in the spring game, I think he had six catches for 90-something yards. He was the leading receiver. So, And, and all those starters I mentioned earlier, Quentin, Tay, and, and Darius, they, those guys were all out there with him. So he's going to be a guy to watch. But defensively, I still look at, the guys that have been around for a long time, D. Winters had a really good spring at linebacker. I think last year uh, he didn't really play up to expectations. I think he'll be the first one to tell you that. But kind of in this system, he's he's allowed to roam around free a little bit more, allowed to make plays. He's still extremely athletic, and he's a senior leader. If you ask those coaches, Sonny Dykes or Joe Gillespie, they're going to tell you he was one of the guys that that really stood out for us in the spring and 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 really started to become that leading leading guy on defense. Mark Perry, the transfer from Colorado, he's another one, kind of your typical uh, TCU safety. The, the TCU safeties that we've always seen in the past, uh, Trayvon Merrick, Sam Carter, those guys that make plays, he's going to be the next in line. He's a real vocal leader, leader just was able to uh, learn the defense extremely quickly, made plays during the spring, and they're expecting big things out of him. And corner-wise, Hodges Tomlinson, I mean, he's been around for a long time, too. And and Noah Daniels, I mean, Noah Daniels is a guy that if you looked at going into his junior year, the the preseason prior to 2021, he was considered one of the top cornerbacks, not only in the Big 12, but the entire nation. Uh, Pro Football Focus had him ranked as one of the top top corners. uh, And he just he's continued continued to battle injuries throughout his career. And he this this spring, he finally got healthy. Went through all his spring camp, had a pretty good spring. He's another big guy. That's the different thing you'll see after after this year. You'll still see five foot nine Trey Tomlinson out there at corner, but moving forward for TCU, you're going to start seeing more of the six foot six foot one six two types at corners because because that's the the type of corner Joe Gillespie wants to have out there. But they certainly love uh, Hodges Tomlinson, and and he's he had a great spring, and he's going to have another big year. You don't have to sell me on the receivers. Johnson is first round talent. Um, and Gunnar Henderson, buddy, he's on my radar. Don't worry about it. Uh, how often do you see guys go from incarnate word, I believe? And he was a student at AM and wasn't even playing football. And now he's, now he's on scholarship at TCU. This is a great story if it happens. And that leads me to this. The ball is going to be in the air, I think, because of the offense. And then because one of the quarterbacks is a, is probably maybe better versed at what the offense is going to do. But I might be wrong here because it's not just Chandler Morris and Max. All right, help me out here. Duggan or Dugan? Duggan. Okay. But they've recruited that position interestingly, as I mentioned through the years, but Sam Jackson was like a top 20 quarterback. 
And then this year they brought in uh, Josh Hoover too, who's another four-star guy, top, I don't know, top 30, 35 quarterback. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe too soon for one or either of them, but there are options there. And I never know what a first-year coach is going to do. Is he going to play for now with a veteran? Is he going to play for the offense system he wants? Is he going to wrap the offense around the quarterback? I don't know. Um, How do you think this goes with the two veterans and maybe even some of the younger people that I mentioned? You just asking about the quarterback play? Yeah, quarterback. Yeah, so that's that. That's going to be an interesting thing, Mike. Because if you if you were just a bystander, or media fan, whatever, at spring camp, there's no way you could have been able to tell who 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 was their guy in their mind. Because if there was an e- equal amount of reps between Chandler Morris and Max Duggan, I mean, it was in spring camp. I mean, one one series you'd see Max go out with first team. The next series would be Chandler, and then vice versa. I mean, it was it was basically split right down the middle, even in the even in the spring game. And this was what's new about you know, kind of the, the new new age of uh, Sonny Dykes. You know, in the spring games in the past for TCU, it was just, hey, let's line up our offense and they'll go against our defense. And it shouldn't even be called a game. It should be a spring scrimmage. Well, Sonny made it a purple white game. They had drafts and everything. So you had Chandler going against Max in the spring game. So it was, it was kind of unique in that sense that you got to see one, each, each of them compete against one another. And they, they were pretty much right down the middle. They, they completed some passes, missed on some things. And you really couldn't tell after the spring game who the guy was either, but you're, you're right. They do have a, a pretty talented group and, and, and Chandler it's it, as amazing as this sounds somehow or another, he is still considered a red shirt freshman. Don't ask me how. And I know he had a COVID year, and, and and he last year he only played in four games, so he was able to use a red shirt again. So if you look at the roster, and, and you're look, you're probably listening to me thinking I'm crazy. I believe he's listed as a red shirt freshman somehow. So he's still he's still a really young guy, but he's been around college football for three years now. And Max, the the thing with Max is, I th- he's been under a different quarterback coach each three of his years in college football. I, I feel like he's an extremely talented guy. There's times where TCU fans are thinking, man, he is the greatest quarterback we've had. We can't wait till he brings home the Heisman Trophy. And then there's other times where they see him, why in the world is he even on the field? He's been a little bit inconsistent. I would say the the consistency was better in the spring. Um, still still made some of the same mistakes, but there were, there were less of them, if that makes sense. But overall – between Chandler and Max, it's it's a one-two battle. And I couldn't tell you who who was leading. I mean, just just being completely honest. I do know what they want to do in fall camp is do the same scenario, give them the, the same amount of reps. And about two weeks before that game against Colorado, they're gonna separate them. They're gonna they're gonna name a starter. They're not gonna let that battle go down. Years past, we didn't know who TCU was gonna start at quarterback, maybe until a day before the game. And sometimes we didn't know. <laughs> We didn't even know who it was going to be maybe the, until the day of. That was just yeah. Gary Patterson playing chess. He didn't want people to know. And Sonny's just like – Sonny is – that's completely different with Dax is he just he, – he doesn't care. You want to come to practice? Come on. You, we'll, we'll let you come out there and watch whatever you want. It's just it's, – it's completely different. But Sam Jackson, you're right. He is an extremely athletic quarterback. He's, he's one of those quarterbacks that was probably – the old offense they have because in this offense and Sonny has said it a ton of times you don't have to have the strongest arm you don't have to be the fastest you don't have to be the biggest or the strongest 
We just need you to make plays. We just need you to be consistent. And that's one, one knock on Sam. Now, Sam is the quickest quarterback they have. He is extremely athletic. He kind of reminds me in a sense of Boykin, just his athleticism. He's wow. got the quickest release. And even Gary Patterson went on record and said that Sam Jackson has the quickest release of any quarterback he's seen at TCU. So he's got the arm. And, and it, what's funny is that he throws a perfect pass. There's never no, there's never a wobble. It's a tight spiral. And we, we made jokes as the media saying that he throws the prettiest incomplete pass you'll ever see. It's just, it's a really, really good pass. And Josh Hoover, he's, True freshman right out of high school. He's learning a little bit. I don't expect to see a lot of him this year, maybe in some mop-up duty, but it's going to be the it's going to be the Chandler Max show once fall camp starts. I know that was a long answer and probably a little bit longer than you expected, but when you talk quarterbacks, you got to get you get got to get down and dirty with it. Well, it all begins at quarterback in the Big 12, which is why we choose to end there. It is a good way to push off and send ourselves into the final stage of this offseason here. Lots of information yesterday, but lots of intel we needed to get our our proper perspective of the TCU Horn Frogs for the 2022 season. Uh, can't thank you enough for your time. Let's do this again soon, okay? You bet. All right, take care. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.